Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. Yes, you did. What is up, weirdos? Oh, man. This is a great one. I just listened to this uh, again. Of course, I was there when it happened. I was very, very excited to get uh, Anthony Jeselnik on the show just because he is such a transparent uh, performer. We can we can learn so much about uh, the performer's ego, which is what we talk about for most of this podcast. And I, I actually, uh, you know, I wanted to listen to it because I wanted to make sure we didn't sound like too much of uh, self-important uh, tool faces. Um, but the thing is... I want to leave that stuff in. Some of the stuff might be imperfect. It might be uh, gauche. It might be uh, grotesque. But it's kind of like, let's just let that be what it is. Sometimes performers get together and, and, and speak this way, think about their egos this way, think of themselves in weird, uh, uh, maybe inappropriate or strange ways. And I'd kind of like to leave it. We could edit it out, but I'd rather leave it to just kind of share what it would be like if, if you were next to Anthony and I having lunch. This is how we would talk. It's Like I said, it's a little strange, but uh, I want to share that with uh, all you guys. One thing that I, I did want to say about all the episodes coming up, um, I, I read all the comments and all the Twitter stuff and everything, and uh, one person left a comment on iTunes about how I kind of have classified people into comedians and civilians. And I realize now, just, of course, that is, uh, it's kind of, it's condescending and it's a little weird and it's actually not really accurate to what I feel. And they put it perfectly. They were saying that, uh, there's introspective people in every field. There's just people that kind of think and analyze and overthink and overanalyze every element of their life. And it doesn't matter what they do for a living. We're all kind of in the same boat. So, when I'm talking about comedians, I'm certainly talking about comedians, uh, but I'm also including all of you guys out there that just are kind of in your head a lot. So I kind of wanted to open that up and have it be a little bit more uh, welcoming instead of us versus them. It's really just weirdos like us and then maybe people that, that aren't as concerned with uh, navel-gazing. So I, I really did appreciate that um, <clears throat> that direction and also the uh, ongoing thing about the the things that I repeat I know I'm repeating myself a lot it's hard to do like 90 minutes talking to my friends every week and something that I'm trying to do is not repeat myself as much I know on this one I I say that uh, being confident on stage is is a sexual thing and as I heard myself say that I was like I think I've said that 15 15 times and we've only had 10 episodes which means I said it two or three two or three times in one episode so there's, there's weird stuff in this. There's a part towards the end of the podcast where Anthony and I, Anthony's talking about how he only wants to travel first class. And I'm like, who is going to relate to this? It's, it's so unrelatable. And then I was like, but yeah, I'm, I, we're just going to leave it in. I'd, I'd rather you hear it and just hear two idiots talking about how nice it can be to, to travel well than to take it out and try and hide that. I, I think at least, if, if nothing else, it'll be interesting and you can laugh at us for being doofuses. Uh, and okay, so let's get to it. I, um, one thing, I think we're going to play another track from the UCB recordings in New York, uh, my unreleased CD. If you want my actual CD, it's on PeteHolmes.com and iTunes. It's called uh, Impregnated with Wonder. I hope you enjoy it. 
And I sincerely thank you for listening to the show and sincerely thank you for all the uh, positive feedback and even some of the feedback that's like, hey, keep out, keep a lookout for this because I'm not a comedian, but I'm not a civilian either. So I appreciate that. Enjoy the show, guys. You're a bunch of weirdos. Uh, I was recently at a, uh, I, was, I was eating, right? actually this happened at Patsy's Pizza right around the corner. And I was right next to a guy who might have been on a first date, but he was definitely on a date. I don't know, have you guys ever heard or overheard or listened to somebody bragging, but they don't have anything really to brag about? But they're still bragging. They want to brag. They really want to brag and be a big shot. But they don't, they're just like everybody in the world. That's what this guy was doing. I'm only exaggerating a little bit for comedy fun. This is what this guy was doing on this date. I think first date he was gone. Uh, you know, a little bit about me. I'm old school. Uh, I'm like an old school guy. You know, example, example. Uh, if I ever like saw somebody, somebody like attack my mother. Listen to me. If I saw somebody attacking my mother. I would lose it. That's me. I'm old school. Listen, if I ever saw a van pull up and men got out of this van, I don't know these men. Who are these men? One of them has a chain. He's working it like a figure eight. What is that move? One of them has a rip in his jeans, but it's not store torn. Something happened. A third guy remains. He's got a mohawk. He's just dancing while they're attacking my mother, going, yeah, yeah, we did. We're doing it. We're doing what we planned in our evil basement. He's wearing that bag of flour from Streets of Rage 2. And they start punching my mother in the face and the neck, and she's trying. Oh, she's trying to block. I would defend my mother. I would step in and I would fight for her, my mother. That's the kind of guy that I am. I wouldn't let the Streets of Rage guy keep punching her. I wouldn't let that happen. I'd be like, ma! And I'd go in. And she'd be like, thanks! Win or lose, I'm old school. (laughs) What else? Uh, I love movies. Will and Grace, Cold Stone Creamery. I don't know, I'm going on and on. Body spray. Okay, we're having Okay, one last thing before we uh, get into the episode here. A couple live dates coming up. If you guys would uh, like to come out to a live show, I would love to see you. I'm going to be in Chicago January 27th through 29th. That's the weekend uh, at Up Comedy Club. It's the new Second City Comedy Club. For tickets, please go to upcomedyclub.com. Also, February 1st, I'm going to be in Seattle just for one night at the Laugh Hole. Uh, Very much looking forward to that as well. And in San Francisco, the 3rd, 4th, and 5th, I'm going to be at uh, Sketchfest of February. So go to sfsketchfest.com for details and tickets. And if there's ever anything I can do about uh, promos or two-for-ones or whatever, I'll be putting it on Twitter, which, as always, is uh, Pete Holmes with a Z. P-E-T-E-H-O-L-M-E-Z. Okay, let's get weird already. Can I get a can I get Pete's voice turned down in my earphones? 
He's he's not real. Are you serious? Oh, I can do it like this. Yeah. You're, I thought you were fucking with me. Oh, I mean, you're right next to me. Oh, is that it? I mean, that, I said it in a funny way. Yeah, this, you did say it in a funny way. That that felt like a Jessel a Jesselnikian. Is that what they call him? I uh, I think Machiavellian is what you're looking for. I feel like you're turning me down in my own earphones. I don't think so. This is like a hip hop album. This is much better. All the discussion of volume. Do you levels. have Do you have XM radio in your car? No, I I just got it, and uh, there's I only like. And there's a million stations. All I want to listen to is this one called Backspin. Uh-huh. That's just like old school hip hop, like from way back in the day. It's the fucking best. I, I don't know which one mine is, but I think it's in that same area, and it's just the alt station. Mm. It's like Nirvana, and it plays like, I smell six, and you'll hear that. Mercy Playground, of course. Is that what that's called? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's the, uh, that's the band. Oh, that's Sex the band. Sex and Candy was the name of the Sex and Candy, of course, is the... Uh, uh, by the way, we've, we've begun... I, I'm so oh, happy. really? We're already starting? Yeah, we're into it. Okay. You know what I was listening to in the car? Anthony Jeselnik, Shakespeare. Really? True. Really? You want it? I'll break your heart a little bit. I don't, I don't have it on my iPhone, and I Spotified it, which is a little sad. Do you know what that means? Uh, I, I think I get money from that still, though. I think you Spotify. got to. There's actually, there's actually a, 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 a service that will track it down for you. you know, I've tried to sign up for that, and I don't know what the hell's going on. I, at some, and I, but I know you don't lose that money. You no, know? It, stays. it always stays there that I'm just like, well, one day I'll just have somebody go. And, it's and, kind of a nice thing. I think, I think that's the way to look at it. It'll be a surprise one day. Yeah. Who put out your album? It's hilarious, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, Comedy Central Records. Okay, yeah. and you record it at our beloved UCB New York. Yes, yes. It's a delight. Yeah, thank you. And really, really funny. I was laughing really, really hard. I uh, so anyway, I'm with Anthony Jesselnick, a, a friend of mine for uh, several years now. Yeah, where did we meet? You roasted me. Yeah, on, I knew you a little bit at that point. I knew you, you enough be, that like I knew yeah. you enough that it was like okay, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. The uh, everything was cool. That was a really fun night. Oh God, I was trying to remember on the way over. So on my 30th birthday, I was privileged to have people like Kumail and TJ and Mulaney and Jesselnick. Uh, roast me and we asked you this is pre-comedy central roast for those of you that know anthony from the comedy central roast is that this is pre you being known as like a roasty guy yeah you're just like a really good harsh joke writer yeah. like a good like uh biting joke and your persona is such that you can get away with it i suppose and i i still remember uh i do you remember any of the jokes you did for me I, because i don't want to pollute your memory with the ones that i'm trying to remember you know i don't remember i don't remember yours i remember one i had about mulaney Really? No one could crack Mulaney. Oh, really? I thought I'd nailed it. Mean, I don't it was, remember. I remember it being difficult for me to crack Mulaney. I said uh, the Mulaney one I remember really well just because it, like, it, it did so well. I was like, surprised. Right. He was like a hard guy to, to get. Sure, yeah. Everybody uh, is on his side. But I said, uh, I, it's impo- like, how can you make fun of John Mulaney? Like, John Mulaney is so awesome. He's that person I point to every time someone tells me that women aren't funny. <laughs> Gosh! How funny. did I forget that? No. <laughs> and, you, and, and the one that I had for uh, you, I, I hope you remember it. Something about uh, when, uh, well, I, I think I remember it. It was uh, it was ladies like everyone. Everyone's joke about me was that I'm like a really nice guy, even yeah. though I'm like a dick. And you were yeah. like, he's a, actually a really nice person. So ladies, it's the persona that's raping you after. This <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry, ladies. It's the persona that's raping you. I'm very happy that you remember that. That was that was a little self serving, but I appreciate that. <laughs> well, that actually, you know, a lot of the uh, times with uh, people like Chelsea and uh, Sarah Silverman and stuff, these people that are uh, meaner on stage tend to be sweeter people. 
Yeah. I didn't know you and TJ met you before I met you mm-hmm. and he couldn't believe how nice you are. Like went out of his way to be like, do you know this Anthony Jesselnik guy? You know what I mean? And just like couldn't stop talking about it. So that's really the first weird thing because here's how I'm, here's how I'm going to phrase it to you though. I was actually just saying in therapy today that I kind of feel like a crazy person in the sense that on stage I can flex all the sides of my psychology. I can have my id. I can have my ego. I can be carnal. I can be mean. I'm not typically, but I can be anything. I can be all the colors of the rainbow, all the colors of the emotional toolbox. Oh yeah, sky's the limit for you, buddy. Ah! <laughs> It's a privilege and an honor. <laughs> no, but off stage, I'm just trying. I'm tr- like a nice person, trying to be really, really nice. So it's almost like a crazy person. I, I likened it to being like, like a Bruce Wayne, and then on stage, I'm Batman. I prefer to be Batman, but I kind of off stage, I'm more like, eh, and I'm this guy. You on stage can be incredibly biting and mean and say the worst possible things, yeah. quote unquote. And then off stage, you're a complete sweetheart. It's also kind of like a crazy person, like you put on an outfit like a superhero. Yeah, I used to always say uh, Iron Man. Did you really? Yeah, I used to say it was like being like Iron Man. Like you put on that suit and you can go up and you can fuck shit up. And Man. you take the suit off and you're just like a normal, you know, you're not a normal guy. And people yeah. know you're fucking Iron Man. You know, it's no secret. But yes. uh, but you're, it's, just, it's completely different. Yeah. I, when I was saying the Batman Bruce Wayne analogy, I couldn't read your face. And I was like, oh, fuck, he's yeah. going to make fun of me for this. Oh, not at all. Analogy. Not at all. I, I remember like very early on when I was like trying to figure out what I was going to do on stage that I, I kind of realized like the people who were very therapeutic in their comedy yeah. didn't seem like they were getting any fucking better. You know what I mean? Like they didn't seem like they were just like Richard Lewis is just as miserable now. They was like, why do that? And then people who seemed like they were really nice and like fun guys to hang out with seemed like offstage like the worst human being in the world because they had to they had to be that person. They had to be this friendly guy and I think it ate at them. Yeah. That people would just assume you're like that and come up to you whereas if you're a complete dick on stage yes. and a nice guy off yes. then you can get away with just about anything. And people yeah. will be just delighted. They'll only be surprised. Yeah, I'm not even that nice. I'm just so much nicer than I am on stage yes. that people are just like, oh, yeah. uh, unless I'm drinking. <laughs> and then it's, uh, then it's ugly. Well, actually, the main thing I want to talk to you about is is the idea of your ego and the idea of your ego on stage, because I think it's a reflection of every performer's ego. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Anthony, you should listen to his album and watch his uh, late night appearances. You have a huge ego on stage. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I always thought, because I, I think we're like this, we're similar in this, is that we're kind of unapologetic about our egos. You yeah. I mean, like, you are a person who's very, like, this is what I do. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. I fascinate myself and, like, my, yeah. like, and how I grow as a performer. It's not even you so much as a person. Yeah. As it is as a performer. Like, this is where my act is going. And it, you can tell that it excites you. Yeah. I can tell that you are your own favorite comic. Oh, you know God, what I mean? That, like, it's embarrassing. We don't, yeah. Yeah. Sure. That if you weren't doing stand up, that you would love you. You know it's what I mean? so funny that you say that because I uh, it's definitely something that I was going to say to you was one of my Anthony Jesselnicks. Like you have lines like I don't know if you guys know the lingo, but what I'm doing right now is called killing. Yeah, hilarious. Thanks. I I recently said on stage I was like I was looking at the faces of some of the confused people in the crowd. I wasn't maybe the joke I didn't work or whatever. Uh-huh. And I was like I don't know about you guys, but if I was in the crowd right now, I would be loving this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I absolutely meant it. I didn't even mean it as a joke. And of course, it yeah. gets a laugh because it's so absurd. Yeah. But I say this all the time. I think one of the secrets to being happy is to be a fan of whatever it is you're doing. If if you're actually enjoying it, oh yeah, it, people. I think a lot of a lot of my jokes and a lot of your jokes, true, as well. Are, are people are enjoying you enjoying it. Exactly. Uh, you know, I, I see some people comics who you like. You're like you don't even like what you're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're kind of just saying this out loud to get on stage, and it's like, why are you doing this? You need yeah. to. You need to love it. You need to love what you do. Yeah. And I felt like the rampant, like unapologetic ego. 
the people only have a problem with it like, or get upset about it in comedy. Yes. You know, I always thought like you wanted to be kind of like you're like the front man for, for a rock band. You know, and you want that guy to have the biggest goddamn ego in the world. Yes. If you're the quarterback, yeah. you want that quarterback to have an insane ego. And I was yeah. like, so just kind of embrace that. Yeah. And just kind of just kind of own it. And I feel like a lot of comics feel that way, but keep it to themselves. Yeah, you know, because they're very concerned with being likable, or maybe their act doesn't. They're very self-deprecating in their act. Yeah. But the guys who are talking about like making fun of how fat they are and how ugly they are, they still think they're great. Right? They just feel like that's what that's what to do to get the audience going. That when you take that out of the equation, yeah, it really there's nothing to cover up the the ego there. Well, if you, if you boil it down and the beginning of of coming out and saying you want to be a comedian, the, I, we've said this on the show before, is it's weird. It's kind of like declaring your sexuality or something. Yeah. It, it, it's not as difficult, I wouldn't say, but it's a weird. <laughs> it's a threatening thing to people to be like I'm going to be funny because really what you're exposing in that moment is what I think we're talking about is a deep down feeling a calling where you're like I think I'm pretty hilarious. You're, you're saying, you know what I mean? You're like I think I could do this. You're saying I'm hilarious but you're also saying what you all do is so unappealing to me. Right. I'm going to risk everything. Like all, yeah. when I, I remember I was, when I, st- I started taking a comedy class uh-huh. uh, after I'd been in LA for like a year um, and I didn't t- I told my friends that I had to work late. Mm-hmm. For like weeks, and they were just like, "Yeah, all right," you know. And then one day I was just sitting at home after I get back from the class, and I was like, "I don't know why I've been lying to you. Like, I, I this would feel really stupid. I've been yeah. taking a stand-up class, and they were like, "Great, man, you'll be good at that." Really? Like, oh, cool. Yeah. But you were kind. Of, you had like a feeling of like shame or something. Oh, I hated telling people I was a comedian for it's years hard. because it's. I mean, you know, before you get on TV ever, before you have anything, you yeah. know, even when you've been on TV for a little bit, it sure. still is embarrassing. Yeah. Because people don't know. Like if you're like, oh, I'm a musician, people are like, oh, what, like, what do you do? But if right. you're, you say, I'm a comedian, and they don't recognize you. Yeah. You're a loser. Right, right, you know? right, especially, right. Especially when you're trying to figure it out, and like, oh, where do you get up? Where do you perform? Right. You know, only in the past few years have I been like, oh, the comedy seller, mostly. Right. But I, you know, I tour around the country a lot. And right. Like improvs and stuff. Well, thanks. That's yeah. like, you can, you can deal with that. Yeah. But uh, before that, when you're just like, oh, I'm just kind of, you know, I get up here and there. If you uh, say, people, if, if you say you're like a, 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 whatever, I'm trying to think of a regular job, if a barber or whatever, or a hairstylist, no one would know, like, you suck because they don't know you yeah you might be wonderful you yeah. know what i mean but if you say i'm a comedian and no one has ever heard of anything you've ever done yeah. then they probably think you suck so that's oh, a, that's awful. a really really embarrassing thing so you started taking this class and you you came out with that idea that you might be uh, funny enough to do it for a living or whatever uh, i actually just i thought i would like do it until uh someone took notice of me i was like i'll just write like i'll try to you know write smart jokes in my act it wasn't anything like i do now but it was you know i told stories but i was like made the jokes uh good you know i didn't i didn't want to be hacky at all that was like the worst right. thing to me i didn't want anything so you that, were like a comedy nerd ish a little bit i was just uh i was a very highbrow comedy fan you yeah know? i'll say that that i just like wanted to be i wanted to come off as smart and i uh and uh I just completely lost my train of thought. We were going to talk about that. I don't know if that's weed related, but I, you're, you're one of the few guys I know that loves weed and it helps your creative process. And I don't, that, you know, I don't would, know how much you it helps that? my creative process. I think it like I don't smoke as nearly as much as I used to, uh, but I did it almost as like a time killer kind of thing because when you're like starting out in comedy, you just have you got like all day, all day, yeah, and then you've got like you do some shows at night, you know, yeah. and you're hanging out. And I didn't, I got tired of drinking pretty quickly, right? And so I, I thought like you know if you smoke, like I would write a little bit. Go do whatever I had to do, and then smoke a little bit, and write while I was smoking, because it just like it almost like killed a couple hours. Yeah, you know, and then you would go out and do your shows, and you could be yeah. okay. Who was it that, that was just in that movie? Uh, uh, what was that movie? Uh, Jordan Jordan directed it. Some guy. Uh, I'm forgetting his name. Gosh, I know that guy. I am comic. I am comic. Oh yeah. Is it who's that? Is Nikki Glaser? 
Oh, yeah. And like, she's in it, and she's like, I got to smoke weed because I have all day. Yeah. I used to just sleep all day when I would be in like a horrible condo or something. Yeah. I'm I, a gifted sleeper. I would try to smoke. Like, I, I would go on tour with guys who would like smoke a lot. You yeah. Know? They smoked all like up until the show, and I had to be like, I can't do this. Yeah. You know, I need like, four, I would give myself four hours because I was like, if I don't smoke, they're not going to want to hang out with me. Interesting. You know, in my head, I thought yeah. that, but I think it would have been cool. Yeah. But I, I just like, I had to give four hours. So when I was featuring, I was always like a little fucked up. Like it wasn't, I wasn't that good. Yeah. You know, that now I can't do as a headliner. Now I just have stuff to do. You know that I can't. I understand that. I can't smoke the same way I yeah. used to, and I don't really miss it as much. You know, I partake occasionally, but it's not. It's nothing like it like it was. Yeah. Well, I did, to bring us back, this might have been what you were saying earlier. To br- I want to get back to ego, just because I do think you are that like the visible man. You know, like we can see the comedian's ego well in you, and as you pointed out, in me, that kind of like it, it, it kind of assists everything in the realm of comedy to have like grotesque levels of confidence sure. merging like a Ben and Jerry's swirl of likability. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, would you be able to get a- away with what you're doing if you didn't, like, look – if your face – I'm talking about the way a crowd is interpreting your face and the way that you you stand and all that stuff. It's sending these signals yeah. and it's salty sweet with the meanness and you look like a decent guy. I don't sure. even know what I mean by that. Like, people will ask me if, it, if that – like, if it would work if I wasn't – like, if I didn't look the way I do or if I didn't, like, smile every once in a while, that right. kind of thing. But it's, it's kind of like, to me, I, I compare it to, like, my birthday – is three days before Christmas. Uh-huh. People would be like, does that suck? Like, is it like, is it hard? You get, and I'm like, how the fuck would I know? You know what I mean? Like, it's never, I've never had a birthday in June. You right. Know, I just like, this is what my life is. Right. And I've never, I've always been happy. You know, it never occurred to me that I was getting screwed out of anything. Right. You know, that like, I don't, I don't know, uh, I'm not that self-aware. Right. You know, I'm just, and I always thought like, I'm not likable at all. People are like, no, no, you're very likable because of just the way, yeah. even if I'm calling someone a piece of shit, I'm doing it with a smile. Yes. And I guess that smile carries some weight. Well, you remind me of like some, like the, the kid that maybe your mom isn't crazy that you're going over his house, like you eat Apple Jacks for dinner and then you go into his weird fart basement and play Sega CD. And Wait, you who am I? Nuggies. Am I the guy in the, the fart basement? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your basement smells like farts. It's not your farts though. You're cool. Yeah. And like you're kind of a bully, but this lovable, like you can't you can't help but be kind of like the Sullivan kid. He's all right, you know what yeah. I mean. Well, I always tried. Like I feel like my my humor <laughs> kind of came from uh, what I kind of went for was when I was like a kid. Like and I was I was kind of class clown where I always just had to throw out the joke. You know, yeah. I had to like I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I was so bored and just like wanted to to do something that I found out very quickly. I remember second grade saying something really mean to some girl. Oh no, and. Uh, it wasn't like that bad. She was like she was moving to some like different part of Pennsylvania from Pittsburgh with her family. And she was like all excited. It was like a show and telling. She was like, "This is where I'm going." And it was this total shithole in Pennsylvania. I was just gonna say, there's and something she, so depressing about moving to a different yeah. part of Pennsylvania. <laughs> she just kept oh, God. She kept talking. Finally, I was just like, "Yeah, send us a postcard." Like sarcastic, ah! and no one, none of the kids got it, but the teacher laughed really hard. Oh my and gosh! I, and I was like, "Oh my God." If the teacher laughs at what you say, you can never get in trouble. She can't yes. laugh and then send you down to the office. Yeah. That I kind of went for like a little smarter stuff that like I would kind of try to make the teacher laugh. That's interesting because it would diffuse the, the right person. You were, you oh, were yeah. playing to the height of the room, the yeah. smartest person in the room. Exactly. When did the confidence come? Because if you're doing this comedy class and if you're doing open mics, when did you start seeing the trickle in of, of what eventually became your persona when you started being like, that's a perfect joke? Uh, you know, it, it started out like I was, I was very nervous on stage, you know, in the beginning, it was just open mics. It wasn't like I was at some big show where right. I was like, I was very, I was like, I'm going to hit the ground and just like do the work. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to grind. I didn't, I wasn't one of those people who was like, I need to get up at the laugh factory right away. You know, right. I was just like, just do the shitty shows. And so I was nervous for a while. And then I just found that 
I wanted to pretend like I had, I was some kind of comic genius. I just I was sick. I didn't want to be the guy who had been doing it for six months. You know, I wanted to be the guy who was like some amazing fucking genius that you had no idea. If I told you I've been doing it for ten years, you would believe me. <laughs> and so I just started pretending that. Yeah. And I found that it started to work. And then I found that if a joke bombed, I, I kind of figured out. I figured out some certain things early on, like that. If you're doing badly, if you're not, if people aren't laughing at you, they're not really mad at you. Yeah. But if you start to get upset then they want you gone because they feel bad for you. Yeah. So if a joke doesn't work and you just act like, if you're not like, come on, what do you mean you don't think that's funny? Like that would make people uncomfortable. But yeah. if you were just like, you're wrong. Yeah. Then they would crack up and you move on to the next thing. And as long as the next one's good, you can kind of save yourself. That I found that the more I kind of fed into that. Yeah. And if I was just like, you guys are fucking stupid, they would laugh at that. And I was like, oh my God, like I would go to Largo. And like piss all over the first three rows, and they would just go nuts. I was yeah. like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, because they want you to be in control. They're delighting in the uh, kind. Of, I've always said is is a little. It's weird to say this, but it's a little bit sexual. That you're in charge. You're being this kind of like dominant person over them. And even when it's not uh, getting a laugh or whatever, you're not. Uh, yielding control you're not relinquishing control you're still like no you're wrong and that's a delight yeah. if you can think of yourself yeah. in the crowd and being like oh good because i think you're absolutely right if they start to flounder or turn on you or be like what's the matter you guys scandinavian yeah that's the problem yeah, we're scandinavian they just, want, they just want to relax and be yes. able to, like this guy's totally in control yeah even if you don't like i've got a couple jokes in my act like if i'm doing an hour that like i know a couple jokes that no one's gonna laugh at yeah but i have but they i don't lose a, a bit of momentum it's yeah. just like i can just kind of i can play it off i have a line and i go yeah and it's totally fine but uh but yeah i just i just felt like early on that you had to kind of have that sort of control you yeah just had to do well it. bill uh, great bill cosby quote he says you're the pilot and you can't get over the pa and say i'm gonna try to land the plane you know what I mean? Yeah. And as long as you do that, it, it almost is kind of like an airborne captivity sort of situation. It's easier to leave. Yeah. You're not actually in the sky. But they're kind of trapped by you. And if you have that sort of like authority of a pilot, people will relax a little bit more, ring the stewardess, have a drink, and, and enjoy an in-flight movie, which is yeah. you doing stand-up. Plus, I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't seen many people. Uh, <laughs> just just laughed at my own analogy. Yeah, you were, very you were delighted at it. You started very, to hurry up toward the end of it because yeah. you were so excited yeah, very to just, say it to yourself. Very Jessel Nickelodeon of me. Um, yeah, and I, was, I also felt that like starting in L.A., you were on a show with like 10 different comics, and no one was doing what I was doing that I was like, this is like a total fucking breath of fresh air in the show. Like yeah. I would just like, I wanted to make a name for myself quickly. I didn't right. want to have to put in, you know, all the time I wanted to like, I wanted to find some sort of shortcut that I just like worked harder than everyone else to get. You know what I mean? I wasn't trying to cut corners. I was trying to, uh, I was trying to blow the whole fucking thing up. Well, you know? it's so funny. This is something that keeps coming up again and again. I don't care if it's comedy or if it's any other uh, difficult thing. People that seem to have a plan and an awareness of kind of like where they want to be and how they want to go about it. And that's what I keep hearing you say. Even the thing of like pretending to be a genius. And again, I don't think this is new agey. I don't think it's the secret. I think there's something about just kind of being like, positioning yourself towards being a great comedian and even pretending like you are a great comedian before you are a great comedian helps you become a great comedian exactly and then being like i want to get ahead so you watch a show and you're like i'm going to do something different because i can't be like the seven other guys on the show that are doing the same yeah. sort of stuff but I, but I, I mean to answer the original question i feel like the confidence started the real confidence started to come you know not just from getting success like getting to do like the largo and like the comedy death ray or bang sure. bang now you know that was big but as each TV appearance kind of kind of uh, built up, you know, like that was big. Doing premium blend was yeah. like oh, someone, there was a TV credit before your name. Yeah, and then I had Kimmel, and I was like, oh, like some everyone's got premium blend. But now I've got Kimmel. Yeah, and then the Conan, I was like, 
that set me that sent me flying yeah. in terms of confidence. Yeah, uh, the half hour special <laughs> was huge, and then uh, and then the roast, of course, has been. Like, yeah, that's that's like I don't know if I'll ever come down from that. It's so troubling. Wise. I'm thinking of you already being this like fire of confidence, and then we just shoveled all this Kindle onto yeah. it. It's like completely <laughs> unnecessary, and now you're like, now I have a right to be the guy pretending to be, and like, what are we going to do with you? We've created a monster. Yeah, it's just like an ur- I've I've put the work in. I've earned this, uh, and I'm 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 thrilled. Like I can't tell you how. Like I, I mean, you know, when you're starting out and you realize that you're good at this, that you're like that you're not because you can start open mics with people who are fucking hopeless. It's yeah, like, oh, see that girl there? I know she's been doing these open mics for for ten years. Yeah, and like, oh my, can that be me? That's terrifying. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you like realize, oh, I'm pretty good. You know, I've kind of got something here that you're just it's. I must have burned so many bridges, you know, my first like couple years in LA, just out of sheer like how joyful I was. Yes, uh, and just d- d- drinking and partying. She's like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing in the world, and it must just rub people the wrong well, way. Well, it's hard. It, people don't like seeing uh, intense emotion. I think on either end of the spectrum, yeah. nobody wants to watch you celebrate with your pants down and a bottle of champagne, and nobody wants to watch you depressed at an open mic, realizing you're failing. Uh, so that probably makes people uncomfortable. What? How this? idea of the confidence i'm going to tell you something weird and katie i don't know if i said this on the show before but i i'm not embarrassed by this i'm going to tell you something that i used to do when i would do a college and the idea of doing an hour was terrifying to me so it was new so this would have been i don't know how many years ago i would be in my hotel and there were two thoughts that i would tell myself one was no matter what happens i'm coming back to this room i found that very comforting because you're, oh, you're, you're going to okay. go out and you're going to do the show and your body can't tell. It's fight or flight. So you think maybe you'll die. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm going to come back to this room. I'm going to sleep on this weird bed with the bedspread and with AIDS on it. And yeah. then like the other thing I would do, and this is what I would like your input on or your thoughts on, is I would do an interview with myself. This is bizarre. I'm aware that it's bizarre, but you're on the road, you're losing your mind, and you're afraid. So I'd be showering or, or shaving or whatever, and I would ask myself, what's it like to be the greatest comedian in the world? Have I told this before? What's it like to be the greatest comedian in the world? And this is, this is before I had as much uh, experience or reason to think that I am a good comedian. This is when I was still like an hour is everything I have and I'm shitting my pants and I'm really worried. And I, I would do the opposite and be like, what's it like, Pete? And I'd be like, uh, you know, it's a little hard. I can't go to a restaurant without people you know, always coming up to me and wanting photographs. But I understand. That never happens to me. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. This is a joke. And I'd be like, you know, it's kind of nice that people are always quoting my jokes and my albums are, you know, I'm really proud of the Just like fucking bullshit, bigging myself up. And I would walk into the show like you were doing as if I had those things. Yeah. And I wouldn't walk in like a dick, but I would walk in. My back would be, my shoulders would be a little broader. You know what I mean? And I would have a better show because yeah. in my mind somewhere in the stupid part of my subconscious that can't differentiate between that fake interview and a real one is like you're the greatest comedian in the world and you're going to make it happen yeah i feel like you've made a career of that uh i mean you know (laughs) i think in a cooler way Uh, (laughs) yeah i never i never did that i've never like i never thought of myself I feel like you are doing that i don't i kind of feel like my thing is more in the present like i'm the man now you know what i mean i don't think of like oh in the future i'm going to be this great comedian i just think that like whether i'm right or wrong I would pass a lie detector test. Do you know what I mean? That like right. that like I'm the fucking man. Or at least when I'm on the stage. Yes. Uh, but I was all, uh, you, that was fascinating to me. What you said about time because I was always like that kind of helped me. You know, I remember like just being a kid in school and just looking at that fucking clock. Yeah. And being like, oh, like, this is the worst. But then you knew like as you got older, you like knew that time was gonna go. Yeah. You know that it's, so, it's kind of it let, you let you let go of that hold on you. But I remember the first time I did a college and I had to do an hour. Yeah. And I was getting paid more money than I'd gotten paid for anything ever before. But I was like, I need to do well at this. <laughs> University of Michigan. 
I was uh, like, I was like, this is this is gonna be okay. Uh, they pick me up and they, I get a cab over to the place. I walk in and there's little kids everywhere. What? I'm like, what? What is this? It's, this is University of Michigan, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Little Brothers and Sisters Weekend. Uh, this is like a thing we do for all the kids who on campus who like can't drink yet because they're too young. And they bring their little brothers and sisters if they're local, and then we do the show. And uh, and I, I was like, have you ever seen me perform before? <laughs> and they were like, no. Is this gonna be a problem? And I was like. We'll see. And I went up and just like did my best. I did everything I'd ever thought of. If I had a joke that I had to do for time, I would yeah. just be like cover your ear, cover the ears of the kid next to you, and I'm going to do it anyway. And it was good. Like it was a fine show. Like it was it was oh, it, good. it wasn't a great show, but it was like it was good. And then I went home and I got like a bottle of whiskey and just sat in that room. Yeah. And just drank and I was like that wasn't so bad. Like that was like you know the, the, and that was like I thought that was as bad as it could get for a college. Sure. You know that uh, that if I could do, get through that, I could get through anything. Yeah, I actually yeah. did the university. That, that's a great story. And it was for a frat, like a frat had me in the sclars there. And I remember Judge Joe Brown brought me up to a on St. Patrick's Day, and the whole theater was filled with uh, you know drunk frat boys who had been drinking since like yeah. nine a.m. And I was like so grateful I only had to do like half an hour or yeah. something and I was like I'm out of here because yeah. you babysit I, but you were literally babysitting for children oh, it, was, it, was so, it was so ridiculous that I'm like this is funny now like I'm going to I'm, uh, tomorrow I go to Salt Lake City uh, uh-huh. for, for uh, like five shows in a couple of days and I'm like this is going to be regardless of whether it goes good or bad it's going to be great do you know what I mean like it's yeah. going to be so interesting at least to me of how they're going to react to me and, and, and everything that I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. What, what I realize now is those war stories I, I said this to Camille I was like I wish I had 50 more oh I never understood that it's all though. material to me Any, anytime someone has come up to me to complain yeah. about like you've done this or you've done that or like yeah. they're going to get my face it always ends up in my act yeah to, I mean it, always we have the standards and practices joke that, standards and that practices, feels real that, that, real. that, that uh, the suicide thing at the end yeah. the suicide capital that was like a, that was a conference I got into yeah. uh, a woman coming up and saying like I've lost two babies kind of thing. Oh God! Now I have a new thing about like a, a lesbian girl came up and like and yelled at me uh, because I, she, didn't, she was like, "If you you're lucky you didn't tell any lesbian jokes." I thought you were really funny, but I would have gotten really mad if you told any lesbian jokes. And I was like, "What? You're a piece of shit!" For you know what I mean? Like that's it's like how can horrible. you? Yeah, how could you get like do that? And I, that's a whole thing. And then some guy now who uh, Kaylee Anthony's uncle. Uh, confronted me after a show, and that's now that's Who's an that? act. Uh, uh, I don't I don't watch the news. Have you heard of Casey Anthony? Yeah, somebody dead. I don't know. Yeah, Casey Anthony killed her daughter. Oh and, yeah, 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 yeah. The and, guilty white woman. And Kaylee Anthony uh, is the daughter. I I know like the Mad Magazine version of most like <laughs> like uh, news events. I'm just kind of like I know bare minimum. Yeah, I don't. I'm not an adult. It's uh, not something to be proud of. Nope, not proud of it. <laughs> not proud of it. That stuff stresses me out. I was in a doctor's office recently, and I was waiting, and they had CNN on. I watched a plane crash over and over and over, just like some Tokyo air show, and I was like. Why do people watch this shit? It just makes me upset for the rest of the day. I'm like, that happened this morning. A, to- a fucking air show guy crashed. Why do I have to think about that? That's horrible. Well, I know why I watch things like that. Why? To masturbate. Ah! <laughs> Classic. I couldn't resist. I'm Cla- sorry. Classic Jessalyn. Class Jessalyn. Well, okay. So a weird thing is that you do tell these off- offensive jokes or whatever, quote unquote offensive. They don't. Not, you know, it doesn't offend me. It certainly doesn't offend any comedians I know. Do you ever get the sense though that people are laughing in the wrong way? Sometimes it's a terrifying that, feeling. It, it isn't bugs it? me, uh, especially anything racial, like anything yes. that has anything to do with race. I get well, people will be like, "You got to tell more black jokes." I'm like, "Oh." Yeah, like that's like that's not what I'm doing. That's right. not like I like to introduce if any jokes I have about race, 
I introduce race just to up the tension. The yeah. joke never hinders on race. It's never like uh, this is the thing. It's, it's, it's about building the tension in the audience. That that uh, like I once got a, a fan letter from a white supremacist. Oh no! In uh, in Florida, and I was terrified because it was like part of me was like like is this something is this true is this like what I've been doing like am, am I am I catering those people and then it was also you'll think you'll appreciate this is that it was very early on like I had no money and I was like God what if they like what if they called and they're like we want you to come to the show for like ten grand like what would I do like what would I, I was like do I do that do I not do that it seems so terrifying to me that I you, you bring a black opener that's what you do <laughs> you do it but you bring a black opener yeah it, it tortured me that 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 will bother me to like if they well laugh. on your album there there are a number of moments that I just didn't know what the hell was going on with your album it, crowd response wise which is actually what makes it a hot medium for me like yeah. I can't I I'm forced in that moment to imagine. Like, what, what your what face do you is doing, what's happening. When you bring up standards and practices, for example, on this on oh, your album, yeah, yeah. there's this whole fucking Looney Tune goof troop that is laughing yeah, the, uh, there was an at empty the seat. setup. There was an empty seat at the side that I walked over. I was like, because I did two tapings, and the first one was like a disaster. It was Cinco de Mayo. Uh, Everyone was drunk, and they kept opening beer cans the whole time, like throughout the show, and I was tight. You know, yeah. so the next night I was like, let's be really loose and fuck yeah. around. Even yeah. if you make it on the album, yeah. it'll, be, it'll help me and it'll help the show. And right, I saw that seat, and I just walked over there and sat down. I was kind of just telling people around me as if like I'm just talking to you guys, and people just thought that was just kind of ate it up. And it really changed. I did it early on, and it really, uh, it really helped. So you told that joke sitting in the audience. Yeah, I told that whole story thing like sitting in the audience, like looking around at people. So I was just listening to it, and I'm like, what the hell is happening? Whenever I listen to it, I'm like, God, how do people not think this is weird? Do people think it's really that funny? Like what I'm saying? Yeah, it's the dry part of the joke. You're saying, have you ever heard of a thing? They have a thing called standards and practices and then they go bananas yeah. which has to be the moment when you sat down i'm yeah. so happy there's there's moments on steve album uh, steve martin's albums that i'm like what did you do there yeah because yeah. he goes like now i'm gonna suck a piano into my lungs yeah and there's a pause and a huge laugh and he goes there and i'm like what'd you do steve yeah what did you do yeah, that always fascinates me when people have like a very visual bit on an album i'm like you knew you know this isn't gonna work but anyone that that's what made uh steve martin's albums really popular no one wanted to produce his albums and then he did all the all the because he did too many visual jokes yeah. then they put out an album with all these visual jokes and then it went huge because it turned out it's like reading a book people want to imagine mm. what he's doing and then it's different for everybody suddenly that album has a million lives because a million people will hear it yeah. Be like I think he's doing this. I think he's. I have a version. I, I have a version of what the troubadour looks like, which is the club he's at. What he did with the piano sucking. What he did with all these different things. Wow. And so do a lot of other people, which I think it, it's mildly interesting. Oh yeah, it's mildly. I think as comics for absolutely, it's fascinating. Uh, yeah. Your thing though, the one of the laughs that I, one of the things I think comedians do professionally is interpret laughter. We're looking, especially you. You're gauging the tension. You're keeping them on this side of the line. You don't want to lose them. You don't want to like push them over and like whatever. You don't want to lose yeah. them. Uh, but you do that joke where you like uh, about your neighbor, Eastern European, who doesn't bathe or use deodorant, and you didn't want to. I'm going to butcher the joke, but you didn't want to tell him to use deodorant, so you just wrote him a note, or you didn't know how to tell him, so yeah. you wrote him a note, and said, "Hey, buddy, get out of my country." Yeah, uh, you added the buddy, but because <laughs> uh, his name is what is it? Uder? Olaf. Olaf. Yeah, but you still you still trust me, buddy. You would just walk. <laughs> Pointing one line of a setup to me. Trust me, buddy. I say that to you all the time. All the time. I love that. Trust me, buddy. <laughs> anyway, so, hey, Olaf, get out of my country. And even at a place as, quote, unquote, cool as UCB, I felt, I'm going to put it at 3% of the crowd was laughing at the phrase, get out of my country, in kind of like a, yeah, yeah. get out of our country. 
even uh, though that's like white on white. It's very, very small. Kind of, yeah, but I feel like Eastern Europeans, like no one's like, yeah, get out of our country. It just seems like a w- ridiculous sure. kind of thing to do. But the, the racial stuff, or sometimes like a, like a, a you know, a, uh, <coughs> I don't know, a joke about like domestic violence or something. I'm like, p- like please tell me you're laughing right. at the joke and not right. like the idea of, and I, I feel like, you know, I have a younger audience. I don't really think anyone's like celebrating domestic violence, but if I was in, right. I guarantee there's certain you know places to play where people are like, some shit kicker is like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, it would be uh, probably the worst way to kill is to feel like they're just really identifying with your not understanding that it's a character at all. And just being like, yeah, yeah, I do want to hit my wife with a bat. Yeah, it's, un- it's finally it's uncomfortable. He's saying what we're thinking. But I feel but I also feel like uh, like it's kind of like a cost of doing business thing. It's like a collateral damage that, yeah, you know, you can't it's like, you know, I, like I love uh, Brett Easton Ellis is one of my favorite authors. And he wrote like American Psycho. And some people take that as like. I'm like a Bible for serial killers. And some people are like, no, this is like a literary work, you know, that's it's like actually, kind of like a, a satire of the 80s kind of yeah. excess that like you can take it like that or you can take it as like torture porn. Right. And, and it's, he's not wrong for writing it just because some people are going to take it that way. Right. Yeah, yeah that's actually uh, – I don't think people would uh, think of this looking at my golden retriever-like appearance. But uh, that's one of my favorite books. I love that book. And I yeah. find it hilarious. Yeah. I only read it once because uh, – you've read the book? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there are portions in it that they took excerpts from to get it banned and stuff, and I totally get it. Yeah. It has some of the most – I mean, that's – but it's, it's almost like it's so offensive. You have to think the point is to offend you. Absolutely. Well, he's like, uh, like, that's the idea. Brett Easton said he was, like, laughing when he was writing because it was so over the top and so, like, just disgusting right. and ridiculous. Right. And, it's, and it's a book. Right. You know what I mean? It's, like a, it's a fucking book. Like, yeah. When I'm on stage, it's like, I'm joking. I'm on stage at a comedy club, and if you don't get that, if you're not – if you don't understand it, yeah, I have no responsibility to you. Right, you're just fucking dumb. Right, you know if you don't, if people go, see, let's say that woman who went to go see Drive, and then sued the movie makers because it wasn't like Fast and the Furious. Really? So like, yeah, you didn't hear about no. You didn't, you didn't hear about fucking Casey Anthony. Uh, uh, I know. I yeah. I yeah, some woman was like, it's not. I thought it was gonna be like Fast and the Furious. It Who's wasn't. the president? Uh, <laughs> like the the black president? Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Colin Powell. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Did that happen? So somebody sued the makers of Drive. Yeah, it was just someone who was such a fucking idiot that got so upset about that movie. You know that, like, why would you ever? Yeah. Like, it, I, it, I think as a comic, it's really hard. One of the reasons you need an ego is because everything's coming at you. Like, it's very adversarial, and people, if they don't think you're funny, no one would ever say, you know, I don't really think you're funny. People are always like, you're not funny. Yeah. Violently, like, yeah. in your face, like, how dare you? Sure. That, no one would ever say that, like, oh, I might have a sense of humor, but when it comes to, like, movies and stuff, most people are like, ah, oh, it wasn't for me, or I thought it was kind of boring. But, they're, they're, but no one will ever, like, track down the filmmakers to be like, you're bad at making movies. Right. You know, something about comedy really offends people that, that you need to have, like, a thick ego and a thick skin to, to, to do it, oh, to, to get through it. And I, I find, like, one of the things that I do, I, I compare, like, getting criticism, especially, like, on the internet and shit, to, like, getting bit by a mosquito. Uh-huh. You know, if you're when you're really young, you're like you know, scratch at that thing is going to drive you crazy, and you're like, what's going on? But when you become an adult, you get stung, you're a little annoyed. You know, you put some cream on it or whatever, and you don't try not to touch it again. You right, know, kind of thing that you kind of have to internalize it and then get rid of it. But what I thought it was like it was really helpful to me when I started out was to read biographies and autobiographies of like of bands and people that I respected and loved, and just it was so fascinating just to see the criticism they took. Mm-hmm. You know, because after you die, that kind of shit goes away. You know, mm-hmm. everyone celebrates what you did. Whereas at the time, people were like, eh, like, you know, like, I just read this book about Led Zeppelin that was like, every album got panned, you yeah. know, pretty much. And it was do well, but now they're like gods. Well, St- uh, Steve Martin, again, he keeps coming up, uh, his albums were ridiculed 
in uh, in uh, Rolling Stone, and then they gave him the cover. Yeah, you know what I mean. I actually uh, not to name drop, but it's a good segue. I said that to Dane Cook. I actually like Dane Cook. I, I have to say that I've never met him. You, uh, yeah, well, I actually yeah. I like his I like his comedy all right as well, and I, that doesn't win me any uh, any uh, clout in the comedy nerd world. Yeah. I'm aware of the problem people have with him, and I, I understand that. But um, I, I think uh, overall that he's he's a funny person. Uh, he, that he had the same thing. His his stuff gets panned, and I'm sure like on a long enough timeline, people like that we, we just forget. And you give Dane Cook the Rolling Stone cover. Like, it hasn't happened. But that's Has he not been ha- on Rolling Stone? I don't, it doesn't sound like he should have been. Steve Martin think. definitely was. Yeah. And if you go back and read his reviews, they're like, this gimmicky... It reads like a Dane Cook review. Yeah. This gimmicky, unfunny piece of shit, just a, all these college idiots that don't know comedy, going out and laughing at him, getting stoned. This, ah, fuck him. Yeah. He's on the cover right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a year later, yeah. two years later. Yeah. So that, that I love that mosquito analogy. That's perfect. You had a day. Uh, the reason it was an interesting segue is you did a Dane Cook impression. Actually, the first person that introduced me to you was Amir Blumenfeld over at College Humor, oh, wow. who loves you. And he was like, he was doing your act actually pretty well. <laughs> and I was like, oh, let's watch him. And we went on YouTube, and the only video at the time we could find was you doing an impression of Dane Cook. Yeah. What was it? What's going on there? <laughs> uh, what was that? I don't know what. Uh, it was like an outdoor show or something? Yeah, it was like a thing where, like the night before I had done this show, and Natasha Leggero ran a show in Hollywood somewhere that was like, it was this terrible show. It was like, I called it like where comedians go to do other comedians a favor. Kind of thing. <laughs> and I was just bored. It was all comic friends and we were just laughing. And I just, I was like, here, I'm going to tell this joke of mine you know, as Dane Cook, and I just, like, made it, like, way longer. And they all thought it was, they were like, that's really funny. But And Natasha was the one who was like, you should do that. You should tell the joke first and then do it as him. And I was like, oh, cool. And then the next night I was at this thing. It was, like, a, a guy we knew, and he wasn't even a friend. It was a guy we knew who was, like, you know, 90 days sober or something and had a party. Uh-huh. Where he, like, got his friend's beer and just hung out and watched comedy. And we were just messing around. And at the end of the thing, I'm like, oh, I'll do, like, Joan had mentioned Dane Cook. And I was like, oh, I'll do, I'll do that thing. Yeah. And I didn't even mean it as like anything like really insulting, you know. And, and the thing that that kind of the only thing that bothered me about Dan Cook in the beginning was that again, when you're telling people that you're a comedian, it's embarrassing. It's like you're insecure about it. And every fucking girl I ever talked to in a bar, and I said I'm a comedian, the only thing they ever said to me do was, know? "Do you know Dan Cook?" Yeah, and it drove me crazy. And yeah. I wasn't like I I wasn't a fan, but I wasn't not a fan. I just didn't really listen to anything. Sure. And I, but it, I feel like comics like we're all. Trying to make people laugh, you know, and trying to like beat the system in, in some way that I, I don't really have a problem with anyone uh, at all. Like, mm-hmm. there's no, I, you know, I have favorites and, and uh, people I, I, uh, I don't like as people, but I just thought it would be funny to do because it's so different from me. You know? Yeah, like, like Sean Patton was like, I just saw your Dan Cook impression. That's crazy. I didn't even know you could bend your knees. You know, it's ah. like very. <laughs> like it an, is very different for you. Yeah, so it was like it was just a fun thing to do, and it, and I, I don't think I've done it maybe like once or twice since. Yeah, and it's always uncomfortable because I'm just like you know I try to recapture that same right. thing. I was just drunk and doing it. But you, uh, I, I, is it because you have kind of like the young guy, your hairs are similar? A like little bit. I don't, I don't think it's like there. a good impression. People are like that's a great. I'm like I really is it good. That seems like him. Yeah, uh, I think you, I, you you capture something of the essence, not necessarily like a vocal yeah. Uh, yeah. match or anything. Um, but people always request. Like at the, I sometimes at my show, I'll be like, "Does anyone request?" Yeah, Once people come up and they're like, "I wish you told this joke." Yeah, from yeah, me yeah, yeah I've got sure. all kinds of new stuff. Sure. Then whenever I ever say a request, people yell out Dan Cook, and I just, I refuse. Like I mean, there's no way I would ever do it. Uh, yeah. And uh, and it's not like it's part of my act. It was something I did once, and it just happened to be put on YouTube. I didn't put it up there, right? You know, I had no idea it would become. It could right. have been something that got ten views, you know. Yeah. Um, but I know he's seen it. It did get back to him. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, I I hear he's seen a lot of those things, but he you know ran into uh, 
ran into an ex of mine uh, and they were talking about things and he he was like he was like oh yeah like it, my name came up and he was like oh yeah he's going to do uh, his impression of me and she said he said it a couple of times like that he knew about it and it kind oh, yeah. of annoyed him but that he wasn't like was playing it cool yeah but I you know and I don't know if we could is anything we could patch up you know like if, if I met him I don't know if it would because we have no history right not a lot we don't have a lot of friends in common it's a weird uh, foot no to people start on that just to be like and I mean I would just be like hey man you know I hope you're not mad you know I don't but we, what but, you did, it, what, all you really did was uh, a long. One of the things I think people resent about Dane, and one of my theories about him, is that he can write. He can write a joke. People just don't really. That's not most of what he does. He can write jokes. He has, I think he has very funny jokes hidden within, you know, his uh, regular kind of shtick. And then he does have movements and voices and gestures, and then synonyms and stuff. Like he kind of. He what what offends people, I think, is he found this kind of. Shortcut is too cheap, but he found a genuine way to make people laugh that's very effective oh, he built- that no one else found, and he does it better than anybody. He does that like Dane Cookie humor yeah. that millions of people wanted, oh. and we all, we're all kind of sitting around being like, we didn't think of that, and now I resent it because it is kind of easy, Like he, but he found it. You know what I mean? To be like, I'm talking into the microphone, microphone, phone. I call it the phone book because I put one between pages. I can't even do it. But you know what I mean? And like that upsets comedians that he found this silly, clownish, almost the musical comedy of regular comedy. You know, I feel like the thing that offends people more, and I found this with myself, is that it's the ego. It's like it's the confidence with which he does it yeah. that, 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 like, that annoys comedians. You know, it's yeah. definitely not a success because no one ever got mad at Chappelle. Yeah, you know, I don't know how things were, were with dice back in the day, but like Dan Cook, he seems like a guy who built himself to play Madison Square Garden. He did, you know, and I, I mean, I couldn't do Absolutely. that with my act. I couldn't walk in there and control that crowd the way that he can. You know, and right. it's just a different. It's different choices. It's like that video game, you know, where you play. Like I don't know if you put video. I just see commercials for it. Where it's like you play a character and you start out normal, and then based on your decisions is what you turn into. If you do evil uh, shit, if you kill everyone you see, you turn into this monster. But if you like do nice things, you turn into like a, a hero kind of thing. Oh, interesting. It's like he just made these different choices. Yeah, he just made these different choices that that's what he became better and there's no nothing wrong with it yeah it's just so different from well dane is, is somebody that i know having uh, listened to podcasts with him and interviews and stuff i guarantee in the way that you were like i'm gonna create a shortcut through all this like through like you were saying i'm gonna be different so i stand out i can't be waiting for this i'm gonna act like i'm a successful comedian before i am he was doing that times a million i'm sure, sure. And I'm sure he saw selling out Madison Square Garden when he was 22. He oh, yeah. could see his name on the marquee. But I, always, I think the comics, especially in the beginning, that's such like a you're so uh, fragile in that moment, or so like sensitive, you know, to what to what's going on. Because every time on stage, your first five minutes seems like five hours. You know, the, yeah. the only, only now when I've been doing it like you know nine years or so, that just like just, the stage time doesn't matter that much that you can relax. Yeah. So in the beginning, like little things shape you. Like, I remember the, one of the first times I was on stage. Uh, during this class, you would do like a thing in front of the class. I did an impression of my dad. Like the first thing I tried was an impression of my dad getting stung by like a bunch of wasps, mm-hmm. and it was like, and I jumped around for like a minute, like slapping myself and yelling and shit, and, and no one laughed at all, and it was so humiliating. <laughs> and I was like, I will never do physical comedy ever again. Like, oh that my impression God. is the only thing I've ever done. That like, if that had gone really well, who the fuck knows what I would yes. be doing right now? That I was like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be very reserved because the more you, con- it's like if you pull a prank on someone. <laughs> You know, you have to think about how much effort you have to put into it compared to, like, what could happen if it doesn't go well. Right. You know what I mean? Like, how imbe- how fucked up can you get? It has to be, like, the right amount of effort to, to like, success rate. Yeah. Because it's, it's humiliating for you to fail with that prank, you know, at a certain point. Yeah. Like, it was like that, that, like, I couldn't put myself out there like that. That's so funny. That I wonder if he just, like, started messing around on stage and people just went with it. Yeah. You know? 
I think that's who, I think that's who he really is. When I the one of the first times I did stand up, actually the very first time I did stand up, I did a joke. It's so weird. This is the kind of joke you would write when you're a junior in college. I was like, it's actually too old. It's too young for this. Anyway, I was like, I think it's always weird when you go to a friend's house for dinner for the first time. There's always this like pressure for the parents to like make a decent meal. What a it's a weird premise. Yeah. And I always put them at ease. I'm like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And then I took out of my back pocket a lobster bib. I actually had a lobster bib and tied it on. And in that moment, family and friends mo- uh, in- exclusively watching me, just death, just pure death. Oh, yeah. I put the bib on and then I was like, I'll never use a prop again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like having to have, like whenever I see a comic who has a prop, we're like, all right, let's show a clip. Yeah. I'm always like, God, what if that, what if the screen doesn't come down? Yeah. What if it doesn't work? I've seen that. People doing, a, like, a, he's gotta, you gotta have the music for it. Yeah. Every time I, I see Thune, like, I'll go on tour with Thune sometimes. And yeah. He's, he's go, walking through the airport with a guitar. I'm like, I can't believe you have to carry that everywhere yeah. you go. It's kind of against what we want. We want to have no responsibilities. Yeah. He has to be responsible. I've seen guys go up in their big closer. It's like dancing to a number. And I've seen them stand on stage waiting for the CD to start. And it doesn't start. And the crowd turns. And this weird, like, you now represent the failure of technology, which represents our failure as a species, which represents our own mortality. And suddenly it's, fuck you. You know what I mean? It's not just a CD not working. Yeah. It's our lives sometimes don't work. And you get mad at the person. It just seems like, how dare you, you know, not have this together and it's, it's just the venue you know the, maybe the sound guy doesn't know what he's yeah. doing or it's like he, it, it, like the, the speaker's not plugged in it's yeah. like, why would you leave anything up to that yeah you know? there's no coming back yeah. uh, well let's see we talked about comedy a lot and we usually cover a lot more than comedy we talk about comedy sex and uh, God typically yeah. uh, those are those are the those are the three weird things that I find come up at time and time again so w- w- this is the thing that I always talk about is you and this huge ego and your countercultural lifestyle, guitarless travel. Uh, who is for you, Anthony? Who who, who could date uh, a performer, or who are you looking for? Wait, what relationship wise, bro? Relationships. Oh, uh, uh, we, well, I just got out of a relationship. Uh, to your relationship with a, yeah. uh, with a comedian extraordinaire. Um, so I'm not looking to do that again. Yeah, um, that's an interesting. We were, we were. I I do know that. I appreciate. Uh, I didn't know how we were going to talk about this, but we both know that wonderful comedian. I've also dated comedians, and it's it's funny because two egos like that. Who was it? Was it, I was actually talking to Doug Benson last night? He was like, "You'll never be at the same exact place, so there'll always be like some sort of power struggle, career wise." A, a little bit, but it, we we were very good uh, because she was like just behind me. You know what I mean? In terms of, and like I've been doing a little bit longer and stuff, and she had she was probably more. Uh, Maybe more famous because of Last Comic Standing, you uh-huh. know, kind of thing. But it was like she got like she was doing uh, Comedy Central Presents like the year after I had done it. So it was like I could be so so happy for her and like yeah. and really cool with everything. And like she was like I, I was the first comic on Jimmy Fallon. She was the first female comic on Jimmy Fallon you know, <laughs> while I was working. It was like this cool thing that we were just like there was no no one was upset. You know, there was no yeah. real ego bruising or anything. It, it was just kind of fun to be along on, on those things. And we weren't like actors competing for things. Right. She was like doing the acting more and I was, you know, kind of uh, on the road more. Right. But, uh, but it, it worked out. That was never a problem for us. Did you have the, did you embrace the idea that you would have been like a comedy power couple? Did that ever no, I, d- I hated that so much. I hated, uh, I, I liked, uh, I loved it when it was, um, when it was like our secret thing, you know, we would go do these shows together, and only a couple of friends, you know, upstairs knew that we were together. But, right. But everyone would, uh, like, I remember one time we we come out of the comedy cellar and we'd been there for like shows all night, and we're leaving, and all the other cl- crowds point out, and this one guy, we're like walking down the street to get a cab, and one guy goes, "Hey, there's the two comedians <laughs> together." 
I mean, that was like that was hilarious. Like that was really cool. And then just the more it kind of tell the thing you told me about you guys were great. Like people would see you together and be like, "You guys are great." Oh yeah, they'd be like, "Yeah, you guys, you guys were awesome on the roast." And I was just like, "Oh, come on!" Like, you know, it just—it's hard it's, because you you want you want no, it just to be it your just, own thing. You want to, it just changed it changed like the vibe of everything. Yeah, you know, it, it just it just made things like more real. Like I'd be on stage and I would say, uh, and this is not you know what ended our relationship by any means, but uh, but it, it was just something that w- that was became really tough was that I'd be on stage and I'd be like, okay, you know, so my girlfriend is, and someone would be like, Amy Schumer. Right, I'd be like, oh, you know, and she, she had the same kind of deal. She'd be like, talk about her boyfriend. People like, is Anthony really like? Yeah, like, you don't understand. I, I had uh, my my uh, ex girlfriend, the very funny Jamie Lee, did a joke that isn't about me, but the girl that I was with at the time saw her do it on TV and was like really mad. I, and I, I just, she was, you know, a civilian. She's a non comedian, so I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. But it was a joke about like losing your erection or something. Oh, that's so. That's, that's probably ridiculous. why she thought it was about me. She okay. got on TV. Who? <laughs> You are Anthony Jeselnik all the time. <laughs> They're just writing these jokes. You're thinking of them, and they just come out of your face. Uh, but I remember not being offended by that at all and being able to do this kind of absurd thing of being like, oh, she's saying my ex-boyfriend, but she doesn't mean me. Yeah. Or you're saying your girlfriend, which you do a lot, oh, yeah. and she, you don't mean any particular person. No, there's I'm no I'm sure there's Amy no doesn't mean to... any person either. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, sometimes. Uh, ah. <laughs> there's a couple things, but... Uh... <laughs> But yeah, like whenever I've had a girlfriend, people are like, "Oh, so you're the girlfriend?" And it's like, "Are you fucking dumb? Do yeah. you really think that I would like yeah, treat?" Yeah. Trust you know? me, buddy. But I feel like people, people just so many people, so many comics are so honest in their comedy that like when someone's not, they don't know how to deal with that. Right? You know, they just think like, "Oh, you must be." Yeah, this you guy must be a monster. You want to you know? be that all the time. Well, you you and I have I've talked also that we're both relationship people, though. Yeah, serial monogamists. Serial monogamy. Yeah. That's yeah. what we do. Yeah. Uh, is that too much info f- for me to bring you into that boat with me and say we're both in that boat? Uh, you know, I've never been married. Uh, so ah! thing, but, uh, I, I don't know. I've, I, I took really it to have, the next it's level. Been like, it's been like two years, and then and then things kind of get fall apart and get weird. And it's never like a bad breakup. You know, I'm friends with with my exes. Uh, sure. I, I hope that you know Amy and I you know can be good friends. Um, and I think we will be able to yeah. you know, at some point. But uh, but I, I don't know. I, I at this point I'm honestly like trying to get my. Uh, shit together, and uh, and I'd I'd love to. My goal is like to be single for a be year. alone. Yeah, uh, yeah. Be alone for a year, and just uh, at least a year, and just try to. Have you ever done that before? No, I, I I'm seven months into the lo- the longest stretch of my oh, life. Really? The record before this, I think, was six weeks or something. Yeah. And I don't say that to be cool. I say that to be uncool, in fact, and yeah. be like, I'm so exposed and suddenly wet and cold, and I'm like, I need a, a woman. You know yeah. what I mean? It's embarrassing. Yeah. And now I've kind of learned to fend for myself a little bit more and just be like, oh, kind of like most of the things I need are, are already in me and I can just kind of like access them if I just train myself and, and be responsible. Yeah, I, I kind of think that way. But also like when I – if I like hook up with – if I have like a kind of like a one-night thing, you know, and it's usually someone I, that I know that I'm like kind of friends with and we just like, you know, sure. hook up somehow, uh, then I, I don't I feel like a, a responsibility where I shouldn't to be like – to be like, okay, like, let's go to dinner now. Like, let's do these. Like, and you so just like almost start the relationship right away because yeah. you out of some like sense of responsibility. Yes, that I that I feel like I need to get away from just to be like well, we're adults here. You know what I mean? And the, you, there's a middle ground. You know, yeah. you can you can uh, you know you can have romantic entanglements without either hurting feelings or committing to something. Let me run this weird thought by you. It's the name of the podcast. I have a hard time apparently thinking of women as things that don't need to like be protected. Like that's where my insight. Like if we have sex, I have a joke. I'll trade you a year of my life. Like that's how. Yeah. That's what I'll do. 
we'll have sex. Of course you can sleep over. What am I, a fucking villain yeah. in a Disney movie twisting my mustache? Like, get out of here, you fucking whore. I tricked you. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Of course you can sleep over. And of course we're going to go to brunch. And of course we're going to go to a matinee. And of course we're going to go to dinner. And of course I'm going to buy you a drink. Because I want to show you that you're a value. And, I, and also, importantly, show myself that I'm not a dick. Whatever I think a dick is. Apparently some sort of cartoonish villain douche that has sex with people yeah but i i, I feel like i'm kind of like that but i want to do it you know what i mean i get very excited you know i'm, I'm I, I can become very passionate and i'm like let's like like when amy and i first started dating we went to i i, we, I don't we did, like we've been here for like two weeks and we went to new orleans for a week you know and then we went to like amsterdam like a month later things yeah. i had like never done with that it was just yeah. like let's do this we can let's go and it just became this like really kind of like just really fun thing that's like what you want to do in the beginning yep and i would love if, i would love it if someone just like you know, uh, without sounding insulting to anyone, like three months in, somebody was just like, hey, like almost like a three month speed date. It's like, all right, you got to get the bell rang. You got to get the fuck out. It's so and, interesting. And you have to kind of, you have to split. It would be, it would be ideal for me. Whatever that says about me as a person. I know somebody uh, that said an artist should never date anybody longer than two years. That, that like, even if it's going well, you should break it off because you need the rebirth and you need the renewal and all that. There's something very exciting about the rebirth. There's something very exciting. Like I haven't, like Amy and I broke up three or four weeks ago and I have not had, I've not been able to sleep for more than four hours. I don't know what it is, but I just can't, I don't know if it's uh, some sort of depression or what, but I've, uh, and it's a sleep deprived kind of suffering a little bit, but I've been knocking it out of the park creatively like yeah. it's been it's been really it's been like kind of an interesting time that it just, it is hitting like the restart button and just kind of and you know how like when you're dating someone you kind of lose all your friends yeah you know what i mean that you're just like because we and i was happy but we would always be together yep and that's how i've always kind of He's, been it's like i'd rather go watch a movie with, with with my girlfriend this girl that i love and and hang out than go but now that you don't have that you kind of have to go back out in the world yeah it's kind of like a fun it's like a fun uh, thing to do that I don't think it's I don't think it's bad I'm, I assume she's going through something very similar right now yeah. and that and that uh, it's good for us well that, that that sounds to me in my own life I'm very much that way and my friends are gracious enough to welcome me back after these relationships uh, Kumail and Emily are friends like that where like I'll just disappear into a relationship and then I just come back and there's no mention of like hey where were you they just kind of welcome me back and it's lovely and wonderful but that sounds to me like a boundary thing uh, for me at least it is it's like let me let me run this thought by you and I wonder if it's a thought that you have in your head it's like why would I want to watch a movie with Kumail when I can watch a movie with my girlfriend and afterwards we have sex uh, it just doesn't make any sense yeah I mean obviously or, I mean, why would you... or just like cuddle or you know, not cuddle but you know like be close and feel intimate and feel safe and warm and all those sort of caveman-y safety things that you want to feel and you can't really do that with your with your friends. Yeah, I see that. But I would think it's even more like just going out with your friends to a bar. You know what I mean? Like watching them try to hit, like hit on women or something, and like get get drunk and, and run around all night. Or I can just go sit and watch a movie with my girlfriend. You know, go to go to bed early or whatever. That I'm I'm kind of more of a, a home guy anyway. Me too. It's like that. You know, that certainly helps. It's not like I own a fucking cat. And I need to go sit home and watch. But right, I would just I would I think both of us would just rather be at home, kind of you know doing. It's that, weird. You know? I was with uh, TJ on Halloween like Halloween proper this was Monday and we were hanging out and he had to go and it was like 7 o'clock or something and I was like alright I'm a single man I live in Los Angeles California a lot of things happening a lot of things and I just I just went home and watched The Dark Knight yeah that's what I wanted to do yeah and I loved it yeah I have no, I, I don't get lonely I don't I'm like I'd rather be alone watching 
yeah. moving my fucking laptop than sitting at some bar on Halloween, you know, with a bunch of random assholes. What are we going to say? What are we going to do? Yeah. And then it, it just seems weird to be like out and exposed. I don't know if it's agoraphobia yeah, it's, or what, but I'm just kind of like, I, I better to be. I remember when I started out in LA doing comedy, like I hated being out because you, if you, you had to tell someone that you were a comedian. You had to explain these things. Yeah. Embarrassing. I was like, I can't wait until like I've like kind of made it to you know where people would know that it wouldn't be a big deal and now that i'm a kind of like that i'm like oh i don't want to go to a bar where people know who i am yeah like, you know, i don't i don't want to get in that conversation like it's, it's always, only gonna get worse yeah it's only gonna get we're only gonna get weirder and weirder and then your fame at some point will be a an excuse to be a recluse yeah that's one of the things that i like about stand-up for guys like us i think that's weird or perhaps counterintuitive that we're like that we are just kind of like we do have sides of us that are homebodies that just want to kick it with like some mac and cheese and watch a movie or whatever it is. Yeah. But we have this job that forces us to go out. That's what I think makes it such a perfect – this kind of weird personality is perfect for a comedian because it's like you need to be able to withstand stretches of aloneness on the road and learn to love it. Yeah. You have to learn to love it. We were talking about this. If somebody – you call another comedian and you're on the road and they don't like being on the road and you're trying to yeah. like being on the road, which you have to do. You have to try. You have to train and learn to like it. You're like, fuck you. I can't talk to you because you're trying yeah. to like work yourself up and be like, this is great. I'm going to go watch a training day at a matinee. Yeah. You know what I mean? and, I, and that's great. And I'm going to nap and I'm going to – whatever you want to do to get through the day. And uh, so we have that. But then we also have stand-up, which forces us to go out and experience kind of like meal in a pill style socialization. Yeah, you're like more than social. You're like the most social guy in the world when you're just on stage. Only it's something that you control. They just laugh yeah. and shut yeah. the fuck up and yeah. you deal with it. And then afterwards you shake hands. And people, when people are like, let's go out. Let's go to a bar. Yes. And I'm like, why would you ever think I'd want to do that? Why would you ever think I'd want I've to go out? I've said that you know? so many times on yeah. the thing. And it's not that we're jerks and it's not that we're not grateful. It's just kind of like we just hung out. Yeah. In the most perfect way. Yeah. It was controlled. It was hilarious. Yeah. And I can't continue the show at some bar. Oh, yeah. What do you want to hear me say something boring? Yeah, I don't want to be funny. I, don't, I sure, sure should don't want you to try to make me laugh. After oh, the show. You know what I, mean? I don't want to hear your Lord. jokes. I don't want to hear like racist jokes. I don't want to hear. Oh, they're always racist. <laughs> of course. Jokes. So it's the most racist jokes. Of course. Someone comes up. Let me tell you a joke. I'm like, oh, here it comes. Yeah. I don't know how to handle that. Yeah. I don't know. I, no, I just kind of be like, okay. Yeah. I used to I used to fake laugh. Yeah. But I've had people I know comics who are like that's I, you know I don't think that's funny. That's racist and uh you know. That's good. And I, and I but I can't do that. Yeah. I, it makes me too uncomfortable. I'd just rather be like just like okay. How do you keep your friends though after you have a girlfriend? I feel like that's something we could both both work on. You should be able to like like people like Chelsea, who's a good friend of mine, will have a boyfriend and still hang out with me or hang out with whoever, but you're right. Like if she's a boyfriend, like you still see her just as much, you know, if not more than before. They're just like, I but that what seems this guy healthy. Is. I, I I actually mean that. Like, isn't disappearing into this person? Like, okay, I start dating someone too, and if I'm in, God, am I in? Kind of like the way we approach comedy. Sure. You're in, and you're in. Fully in. Sure, so I date somebody. I go on trips. If I'm dating somebody for a week, that's the first thing I want to do. Let's go to let's go to Europe. Who yeah. gives a shit? Because I'm crazy about you now. Yeah. And you're the person that I think you are. Like yeah. I'm filling in all sorts of blanks. It's just so exciting. <laughs> it's just so exciting. And then the, I think the thing that sucks about that is that later on is that they're like, wait a second, why isn't is why isn't as, why aren't you as excited as you were? You know, yeah. In the first six months, it's like, well, no one fucking is because you know, we can't. were insane at that time. But I, I have a problem like between two worlds. Like I, I I had this girlfriend and I started working on Jimmy Fallon and I had this whole world that I became involved in, like that world of Fallon. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't do both. Yeah. Like I could not. It was like, I was just, I became more committed to the Fallon world than I was to 
our world together, and that was you know that was kind of the end of the relationship. Yeah, I, did, I couldn't. I didn't know how to do both. Yeah, that's interesting. So I don't know. I guess I try and be single for a while. I guess, huh? I guess. Yeah, it's not that bad. I know Amy used to always say, she'd be like, when we get in fights, she'd be like, you just want some, some like, young girl right out of college who thinks everything you do is great and brilliant and just loves everything you do. And I was like, oh, man, that sounds great. You know? <laughs> that sounds so – she'd be like, you want, some, you want some, like, Filipino girl who just, like, just will do whatever – is so submissive and does whatever you want. And I'd just be like, Filipino girl. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is that great? That's a great thing you told me once. You would write a joke for Fallon and then go, uh, sorry, Anthony, this would be good for the Anthony Jesselnik show. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, that show sounds fucking awesome. Yes. Yeah. Well, you actually did something that I really admire. I was just talking to uh, Chelsea and Zach uh, Kreger about this, where it was like, um, we have a group of courageous people, you being one of them, Hannibal being one of them, people that leave cushy network writing jobs. Because they're like, I'm losing my ability to do oh, my own thing. You know, people always like when I took the job at Film, like, what is he doing? You know, and then when I left the job at Film, like, what is he doing? It's ah. like, it's like, hey, you know what? I haven't, fu- you know, I know what I'm. I have zero regrets in anything I've ever done in my yeah. career. Even the jumps I didn't get, you know, was a good thing, you know. Uh, but uh, that, it was tough. I had to. I just felt like I had to headline. I had to grow. You know, I, I think that's the, the successful comics are ones who you start featuring on the road for someone, and it just makes you want to be the headliner. Yeah, those guys who you see that are like featuring forever. It's like, man, you gotta, you gotta want to to grow up out of that. So it was like after doing these like ten, fifteen minute sets all the time, and again writing, you know, all these like just millions of jokes. It just be, I had, it took me like months to get my shit together afterwards to be able to write for myself again. Yeah, because it was just so so different. Yeah. Um, Excuse me, but yeah, I just had to. Like, you just have to go. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. I think that's a great little pool of courage for us to uh, to draw from. Before we get into God, which is always the weirdest way to end, ego, date comedians, date impression, joke I wrote you. Hey, remember that joke I wrote yeah, you? Yeah, I do. You wouldn't do it. Yeah, I can't. It, it's hard for me to. I, I get so much joy out of the writing of the joke. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like, I'm tweaking and everything. Sure, they, they're just doing someone else's. And I have done, you know, I think Amy helped me write a joke for the Trump roast that made it the air. Uh, Megan Amram wrote a joke for me for the uh, for this last one. That I, for roast is a different thing, but for my act, yeah, no, I, I get just, it. I just love coming up with a joke that it's like, why take that? Why are you taking that away? from Right? Me? Why rob that from you? Yeah. I, I, here's the here's the compliment of that is if anyone that doesn't happen with me, I think it happens with guys like you. I, I've sent Dimitri lines as well. Like I like one liners, and I have no real use for them, especially yeah. if they're offensive. Yeah, I think the joke. I was on the pier in Santa Monica and I saw the shirt that said, I didn't ask to be born Mexican, I just got lucky. And uh, I thought you could say, I thought that was a great shirt. So I asked the vendor, is it available in white? Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought immediately, and I was going to tweet it. Yeah. And I was like, that's too offensive. Yeah. I can't tweet that. Oh, my, okay. my persona is not right for that. Texted it to you. And it was a great compliment that you liked it. And I think it's even more badass that you won't do it. You know what I loved? Of you? Oh, I think the weird thing about that joke for me is that my persona would never be like, that's a cool shirt. Uh, but uh, I, love, I, love, I love your joke I love your joke about that you, you said you couldn't do it on stage because it was like it didn't fit your persona which I understand but it was so funny that you got lost in like a really bad neighborhood like kind of like a ghetto neighborhood oh that's right and so you didn't know how to get out so you just you just uh, on your, in your GPS you just hit Barnes and Noble yep that's true that's true <laughs> it worked I thought that was the fucking that funniest that is thing. a completely true story about being in Atlanta yeah. and I was coaching myself the whole time I was like you're just being right racist you know you're just uncomfortable around only black people i was the only white person and i was like no this is that area like this isn't just that this is like 
bad. Yeah. This is the wrong side of the tracks. Whatever the right way to say this is. And I was terrified. And I had to get. A, and I was in this hotel and I had bulletproof glass. And I was like, all these hookers and and people doing crack. Obviously, going in to rent a hotel yeah. for half an hour to do crack and have sex with a whore. Uh, I was like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, but that's like a bad. Ho- Even if it was all white people, it, it would have exactly. had, had nothing to do had with anything. Nothing it would have been to like, do with race. Get, yeah. Any. You can't stay at a hotel where they rent by the half hour. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And it was like extended stay options, and my room smelled like weed, and I was like i couldn't be more uncomfortable and I, like you said i got in and i typed in barnes and noble and it li- it worked it worked like a charm it took me right to where the fucking uh there was a chili's yeah i went in and got a margarita and calmed down <laughs> from my glimpse onto the other side it was so fucking it's embarrassing but 100 percent true i love that you love that joke i actually would like to do that story and ha- seeing you truncated to just that moment makes me think maybe i could i guarantee you could I just mean like I don't have to tell the whole story. No, you could just be like I was a good lo- I once got lost in a bad neighborhood and I didn't know how to get out, so I just uh, you know put Barnes and Noble in my Jeep. It's yeah. Barnes and Noble is like the whitest thing you could put. It in your Jeep is yet. incredibly white, and I was like, I bet there's a cafe inside, like an adjoining cafe, yeah. Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. It totally worked, and then I checked into a double tree. Yeah. I called my travel agent. I was like, I want a double tree. Like, because they have the cookies, and I want a king bed. Like, I, I like, treated, like, get me, like, the best thing they have available. Because yeah. I was so terrified. I, it breaks my heart that places like that exist. Yeah. And I, I'm, I am a pussy. I'm not here to say that I'm not a pussy. I went in, and it, like, shook me just how these people were living. It broke my heart. It really did. And then I was like, I'm going to Chili's. I'm getting drunk by myself, and I'm going to go sleep in a double tree just to, like, Cope. Oh, you need that. It was yeah. horrible. I've definitely upgraded the first class just because I'm like, this really? is fucking. This is. This, I've had a terrible, terrible weekend. I gotta, I gotta do something for myself. I'm yes, like, oh. I, I have to fly to New York for two days, and uh, it's for work, and they're flying me out first class, and I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah, because I'm like, oh. that's six hours in, oh. in in sky heaven. Changes everything. Changes everything about flying. Why don't we do this? I'm gonna. I, I, that's my. That's my huge goal. Like I don't. I don't worry about like nice cars and flashy clothes. I want like to be able to travel well. That's oh, all. Oh, Anthony, God, travel well and stay in nice places. You butter my bread. I man. do the shows for. I feel like I do the shows for free, and they pay me to fly out there. BB you know King. I mean? That's a BB King quote. Oh, really? He says yeah. I do the shows for free. They pay me to travel. Yeah. Which is absolutely how I feel. Absolutely. And it's so funny that you say that. Just today, I was like, I, I, you know, it does feel a little bit like throwing money out the window, but at the same time, oh, if it's yeah. if it's New York to L.A. and it's six hours, six hours you got it. It's like at least the Virgin uh, extra seat, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, but then yeah. if you can get that, that first class upgrade or what, I don't know. I feel like we're we're talking very high class problems, but that's that's my goal. Oh, when you're too. on the road, I've been on the road every fucking weekend since since the beginning of March. Yeah. You know? So like for me, that means that makes all the difference in the world. You're yeah. Sort of, it's like, you do you to. watch the movie Up in the Air? The first half yes. of the movie Up in the Air, I love just yeah. because of all that first classy yeah, yeah. sort of the sky lounges and the yeah. and the personalized greetings, and I'm like, that's how I want it to be. Yeah, and I want to I want to look yeah. like George. I don't. Clooney. I'm at the, I do not rent cars. I get a car service. I don't care what it costs to take me. Really? If it's like a two hour drive from the airport to the to the college and back, I get a car service to go take me, wait, and drive me back because I don't want to. The last really? thing I want to have to do is worry about that or get lost. I want to sit in the back of a car. That's and awesome. Not worry about anything. What is, if it's two hours? How long? How much is that? I think the most I've paid is like maybe four fifty, okay. something like that. And because they, they have to wait for you, that's the big thing. Is they have to wait for you to get done. But I'm like, I. Do, but it's all a write off. It's all write off. The you know, you take yeah. it right off of the thing. And I just, I would rather do that than have to 
worry about it. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, I, I like renting cars, though. I like renting cars. I like going to finding grocery stores. Yeah. That's my road secret. Yeah, I only eat in grocery stores. I, w- I got to do that more. I feel like people say rent a car, but I'm always like, I don't want to drink and drive. I don't want that possibility. Yeah. So I don't rent, but I, I need to have someone take me by a grocery Drinking store. Drinking on the road is a, I, 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 right after I got divorced, I went on the road a lot. I did 50 colleges in like, I don't know how many months. And I just had this really weird, but I look back on it with such fondness that I, I was so depressed, crippled with depression, you know, just very sad. And uh, I would be sad all day. I'd go and do the show. Somehow, like you were saying, you're creatively okay. I would go and I'd do a great show. Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone could have possibly known. I had no material about being in relationships, being divorced, being married. Oh, yeah. Nothing. I'd just do my little act. And then I would go home and I would drive to the hotel and know that I had like a bottle of wine waiting for me. And I think it was the best feeling in the world. It was very self-destructive and unhealthy. But I would go into the room drink a bottle of wine, watch a movie, you know, and go to sleep. And it made depression palatable. It made it something, it made being depressed something to look forward to. Yeah. It wasn't just the alcohol. It was kind of like, I kind of like knowing how you're supposed to feel. And if you've been broken up with, that's one of the best times to just be oh, yeah. like, at least I don't, there's no ambiguity here. I'm supposed to be sad. Oh, yeah. It's like being addicted to cigarettes. We're like, oh, this sucks that I, my clothes smell and I, I don't, I'm out of breath and whatever. But then you like, you don't have a cigarette for a while and you have one. You're like, oh, that's why. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like that little fix. That, Did you quit? Smoking, yeah. I haven't seen you smoke in a long time. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a, about a month. It's hard. You, got, you should, uh, you, should uh, you know, I don't smoke. You should replace it with like, um, you know, lollipops or something. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> You're Anthony Jeselnik all the time. You wake you up in the middle of the night, some biting one-liner. I can't believe it. I love it. Well, let, let's just cap it off with uh, God. Um, I honestly don't even ask you this as a performer. In fact, I was just thinking today about the, the, this podcast, Abstractly, and I was like, am I asking the worst people ever their opinions about like spiritual matters? Because a lot of times we don't really have opinions and stuff. So if you don't, that's fine, but I do. I'm interested in what people think. Uh, hardcore atheist, really hardcore. I mean, raised Catholic and just. Uh, it used to really bug me. I used to have a lot of religious jokes because I. Uh, it, it, I just felt like I had to. You kind were of rebelling. Like, a little bit, but also like I just felt I don't like when people kind of invoke the name Jesus Christ. Still, as if as if he's as if he's on my like in the media when they're just like, well, Jesus, and it's like uh, I feel like there's a lot of hypocrisy in Christianity of like the fact that you just say. And, and there's they're great Christians, and there are there are Christians who use the name to, to get away with whatever they want because it sounds good. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? People who just say, "Oh, Jesus, this," and they're just doing the, they're not following Christianity at all. Yeah, people really followed what Jesus said. Great. Like I'm going to Salt Lake City. Mormons are so goddamn polite. But, like who gives a shit what they believe? Like they're just like they're just good people. It's yeah, like, that's important to them. Yeah, that I feel like so many Christians are bad people and just hide behind. The idea of Christian or the the words in Christianity sure, sure. You know, that makes me crazy. That I felt like I had to fight back. Yeah. And now I've just chilled out a little more. Like the way that people who, you know, if you were raised by parents who weren't religious, you don't get mad about Catholicism. Yeah. If you were raised Catholic, yeah. you get mad about Catholicism. Of course. You know. Why and, would you get mad about it otherwise? You, you have to have some emotional tie to it. I just I just didn't like having to go to church every week. I didn't like it being kind of forced on me. And people, my parents thought I just didn't thought church was boring, which which it was. But I just thought like when, when you don't believe it, everything becomes grating. Like, when it really bugged me. Yeah, Berbiglia, I'd love to have him on the show, told me that at a very young age, like an incredibly young age, he just kind of was like, this isn't really for me. Oh, me too. Yeah. Really young? Yeah, Yeah, eight or nine years old. See, I can't imagine not having a fully formed rational brain 
brain, nine, you're nine years away from having a fully formed brain, and you have grown-ups, these giants with their booming voices telling you this, this, and this is well, it true. It would just be like, they would just go through the same stories every year, you know, and be like, all right, so Jesus did this, and Jesus, like, he had all this bread and, and this fish, and they, it was like the, this way that, like, I understand maybe, like, back in the day, that shit would have flown. <laughs> You know? <laughs> but now with everything there is and how like if there's, a, if there's a miracle like so there's a miracle the Catholic Church goes and tries to dispel it but like oh, oh the walking on water thing that's your proof yeah. it's in a book and then you find out the King James version versus different versions of the Bible sure. and how things kind of really went down I just remember like, like water into wine like that's a big deal like wh- why is that? Why does that make him the son of God? Kind of thing that I just real and then like the, and forget about the Old Testament. You know, like, <laughs> don't bring even bring up Jonah in the way. I just remember being like, wait, this is all. Yeah. I don't believe any of this. Yeah. And then the thing about how like that people want this like white kind of blonde Jesus, whereas like if you look at like factually where he came from, like the yeah. real person Jesus Christ. Yeah. Would have been like uh, more of like what we would consider a black man today, and that the, pe- the fact that people reject that so hard. Yeah. People don't really want to know more. And they're only fascinated in a certain way. That it, it just all hit me as wrong at the same time huh. that I was like, this at is... At nine. I, I, Not I, all of those points, certainly, but like a lot oh, of yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, just, just enough to know that like, I just like one thing fell apart for me. I remember being in CCD. Do you know what CCD is? It's like a, it's like a Catholic school for kids who went to pub, uh, public school. It's okay. so like on Sunday, like before church or after church, you would go and sit in this thing for like an hour and a half. I remember just one day just being like, oh my God. Oh, this is all, and that was it. Was gone. What, what what was the lesson? Do you remember, or was it just it, kind it of was out one of, of those? It was one of those just like Jesus stories, like one of the famous Jesus stories, where I was like, I don't believe this. Yeah, and if I don't believe this, then oh no! And then as I started to find out about other religions, yeah, I was like, how like the arrogance of thinking you're the true religion? Yeah, isn't like I think like Buddhism makes more sense than just about anything else. Well, it's a, it's a hard thing when you crunch the numbers. I remember having a crisis of faith when I when I was religious that I was like, okay, if if I believe that you need uh, Jesus to go to heaven or whatever that idea let's accept that idea is true just the millions and millions of people that are on the earth right now that will just go to hell for not being exposed yeah. to it or, or, or being raised oh. a different way oh I love that story about the guy who's like a, like a you know a, a, a priest goes to like Alaska or somewhere where there's like indigenous people and he explains to them everything and, and uh, like and one day a, a guy runs up all panicked the priest is like hey uh, so if you had never told me like if, if I'm like now that I know about God and Jesus and everything, if I sin, I'm going to go to hell, right? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, if I had I hadn't known about God or Jesus, and uh, and I I, there, I wouldn't have gotten to hell, right? And they're like, oh no no, that wouldn't be fair. And he goes, well then why did you tell me? Yeah, you know that that kind of thing that made a lot of sense to me. Oh, and then you man. talk about like Greek mythology and the things that they used to believe, and it makes sense why they would believe they would make up a thunder god and a and a god of the sun and a god of the moon and all these things. Yeah, and like oh, isn't that kind of what we've done here like how would you ever know and then like the death was so scary to people you know there wasn't like no one really kind of people all had their own kind of hell and it was like this vague thing you didn't really want to talk about like why weren't we talking about this all the time if this was true like why wasn't this on the forefront of everyone's mind yeah that it just all I actually say that on stage I'm like it's a wonder we're not talking about it all the time yeah it just all went away from me that I was like oh no and people are like oh it's it's negative like my dad is it goes to church every every Sunday and I wouldn't call him a hardcore Catholic but he's like it upsets him that I'm an atheist because and we never talk about it because he doesn't want me to go to hell Right, and we think it's like a pessimistic way to look at life. Like, how do you have like, uh, how dare you question my morality because I don't have, I don't have like your same reasons for being good. I think it's an optimistic way to look at life. That like this is heaven, you know. Don't throw this away. Use this. You know, this is what you get. Yeah. Uh, and if you look at it life that way, isn't that better? 
Well, it's it's funny that you say that Jesus himself actually, you know, the Jesus as portrayed in the New Testament, uh, often was calling people to create heaven on earth. He was always talking about the kingdom yeah. of heaven. He wasn't talking about heaven. Came later, the uh, the uh, explanation of it was kind of like he, he died for us that we would go to heaven and all that sort of stuff. But when he was walking around, he wasn't like you're going to burn, you're going to burn. No, never. He was like love your neighbor people, and all it, that sort it, of it's, stuff. It's a power thing. If you look at like how the Bible was created, I think you know people attributing words to Jesus and they used him as a symbol and to do their own kind of to do their own shit, like Batman. It's yeah. Well, not like Batman, more like Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> But yeah, but that's that's where I stand, and I and I try to be a proud atheist. You know, I feel like it's uh, like Ricky Gervais saying, "Thank God I'm an atheist." People getting upset, like, why would you get upset about someone if he had said, like, like, "Thank God we got to do this award show." You know, like, ble- God bless you all. People would have been like, "Yo, night." Even yeah. if you, even if you didn't believe in that, you'd be like, "Oh, that's that's nice." But yeah. saying I'm an atheist is somehow this bad thing to be, and I don't. I, I feel like people shouldn't feel that way. Yeah, well, I mean, it it does threaten. Uh, the fabric of life it, mm. it threatens the idea that you're what you're saying you're threatening our divinity is what you're doing you know, you're saying, there, I think people it questions you know uh, are, are my beliefs okay and I don't you can believe whatever you want but don't fucking tell me that I need to like not like not express my beliefs as well because yeah. of because of you you deal with it I, I've said this a million times and you Kumail TJ Moshe, I'm trying to think. They're all atheists. Moshe's an atheist. Is Moshe an atheist? <laughs> of course, he's an. Oh, he's an agnostic. I, he's either a. I, I think, feel like oh, no, I feel no, like he's a, I, he's I, a Jew. Moshe seems like a very, <laughs> very atheistic person. Uh, I, I, agnostics seem to me like atheists who don't want to commit to that. Yeah, no, but that makes sense to me. I understand that. I, you know, what's what's offensive, if anything, about all my friends who are hardcore atheists is the complete door shutting. You are, you know what you yeah. are? You're like some weird miracle away from having to become an agnostic. <laughs> like some no, weird... <laughs> I, love the, I love the Kurt Vonnegut quote, if there is a God, man, he sure hates people. Yeah. You know, I've and that's like, that. it, it, like, if there is a God, like, why should I give him anything? And he's never, I, I've, I've got a great life. You yeah. Know? Uh, but I see what happens in the world. And that guy seems like a fucking asshole. You it's know, funny if because he controls anything. Gaffigan, who's one of the only theists that's been on the show, said that his one of his reasons for believing in God was because his life is so good. He's like, so many things have worked out for me. I believe in a higher power that's looking out for me. And here, see, this is what I say all the time on stage. I'm like, okay, yes. Like the guy that jumped out the Golden Gate Bridge and an otter saved him. That Was that God? He says yes. And then all the families of the people who know otter saved their kid that jumped yeah. off say no. There is no yeah. God or whatever. Who's just, uh, there was like the earthquake in Chile where like somebody was like, oh, this like this girl was found like a, her house collapsed, her family was killed, but she was found in the rubble four days later. It's a miracle. Yeah, it's like oh, is that the same miracle that killed her family? Yeah, like what do you do, people will like just find ways to to. to but that's what we that do. Way. That's what we do. Sure, and I think it, I think it's all fear of death. Yep, I think it's fear. And like back in the day when they created all this shit was when like during the plague and like these awful things that were happening. But like if you didn't want anarchy, you better have these people behave. For some reason, because it, life is so bleak, that why don't they just go around killing and raping everyone? You need to try to get some. You need to make them scared of something. dark ages. Yeah, and you're gonna. And God is as scary as it gets. That and the devil is as scary as it gets. That 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 it, it insults my intelligence. Yeah, and it makes me angry do at you, people who tried to come at me with that stuff. Do you at all wish there were a God? Do you wish that you could believe in something for the con- for the convenience of it, but also for the truth of it? Let's say tomorrow. God does show up, and he's like, Anthony, I listened to that podcast. You're right. I've been a bit of a jerk. Uh, let's hang out. I want to show you that I'm real, and, and things are going to be different, like your dad coming back. 
I mean, uh, I guess I would. Would that make you happy, or would you be like, oh, I'm kind of fine being an atheist, and when I'm dead, it's over? Uh, I'm totally. I, I think there's a piece to that to be when you're dead, it's over. Like I don't want to worry about the afterlife. Like there's that book. Have you heard about this book about the kid who like yeah. passed out and now he went to heaven? Yep. And they put him on the fucking news as if like a little kid having a fu- having a dream. Yeah, but I mean big... like that book actually troubled me. I talked about that book in therapy. There's some book called like Heaven is Real, Dad or something, Daddy. Yeah. And it, and the kid had a near death experience, and in that he talked to relatives that he didn't know he had. He was way too young to be like, hey, Uncle Herbie says what's up. And he said the depression was hard. And then he's like, oh, how's uh, Aunt, how's Susie in two rooms down that has tuberculosis? How she's doing? All the standard near-death yeah. experience stuff. Yeah. So my therapist, who is not uh, a Christian or anything, but is open to that sort of stuff, I'm like, what does that fucking mean? What does that mean? I need an answer. What does that mean? And he was like, okay, the kid had a near-death experience. He floated around. He had some sort of spiritual experience. doesn't necessarily need to fit in the confines of any religion. Let's say that happened. That seems to be the simplest explanation. I mean, we can't just say it was DMT in his brain. How was he hallucinating yeah. such specific things? So I'm forced to maintain that perhaps there is something spiritual going on because of books like that. I mean, spirituality doesn't bother me as much as, like, this is the thing. Like, this is what it is. You right. need to believe this because I I've decided it's like you you get on this team. It's almost like Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, where you're just like I'm going to follow this because this is the team I'm on. Yeah, that that just an, annoys me, and that like we're right because we have God on our side. I understand. And it's like, what is God, what is God? You know, like and they that, that when anyone someone quotes the Bible or says gay marriage, it's in the Bible that it's wrong. Yeah, I don't understand how people don't just like just wipe them off the face of the earth when they say shit like that because it's so fucking stupid. That but, that, that kind of the people who hide behind a religion. Yeah. Religion doesn't offend me as much as the people who hide behind it to do bad to things. To mask their hate. More people have been killed in the name of Christianity yeah. than, than in, for any other reason. I mean, sure. for any, than, than old age or any of that shit. Like, it's, it's yeah. bad. You look at the Crusades, all the awful things that have happened. It's, it's No, I totally phenomenal. get that. We, I, com- whoops, I completely agree with that. But it sounds to me like perhaps there's some sort of openness to the idea of, of a spirit. No, I think that there's just I think that life is life is this amazing thing that 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 weird things can happen. You know, it's almost like there's a study they did where I talk about in this movie. Have you ever seen the movie Waking Life? No. I, oh my god, it's right, um, yeah. it's amazing. It's like this it's kind of an, it's like a dream kind of thing. And they talk about how there's like a thing where uh, they did the crossword puzzles. They like gave people a crossword puzzle and they do it and they did they did however well they did. And then they gave them one from like a week before, or like yesterday's crossword puzzle. Mm-hmm. When people had already completed it and they did way better. And it was like the answers are almost like already out there because people have thought of them. Like I think, oh really? Things like that are kind of fascinating, but I don't think it has anything to do with. Is that a documentary or is that just? Oh no, it's the th- it's like a discussion they're having about spirituality and like. And well, that's life and that's one things. of those things in the. Those fascinate me, like weird things in life, but yeah. I don't I don't think it has anything to do with a god or the collective uh, unconscious. That but that's something you're open to. That that's just like electricity. Something that interests me that I don't even like. I don't know how much I believe it. I think it's all kind of coincidence, and, and I don't believe in ghosts or any of that shit. But yeah. I. But I, th- I think we find it interesting. I, I think in the future, uh, the next sort of technology that we will crack is the electricity of our brains and the and all that sort of ESP sort of stuff, and even like kind of like ghosty technology, understanding what that sort of phenomenon are. Yeah. I think I think that is kind of like the the next thing. That's the other thing, like that. Uh, what the bleep do we know is a movie? And yes, yes, the, the that's mo- very interesting. They yeah, sh- I love that. Positive thoughts for one water and negative thoughts for the other water and the. Positive but that water. was the one when, like the petri dish had like a happy face on. Like there was just, some of that was a little too like I don't know. If I'm yeah. Like, 
but it, uh, but I but I think that stuff interests me. Yeah, well, much I love more that. than much more than we gave we have gave this thing a name because you didn't know what the fuck to do with it, right? You know, and you, need, you better believe it. Yeah, that that makes me furious. I I can I can get down with the sort of belief system that you have, which is looking for a hardcore empirical truth and being offended at hate and bigotry and violence. I think that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, and just being told what to do because this is what I believe that I mean that that really sets me off yeah uh, well it's interesting that that end, in the end put you in the posi- a, a comedian a, a powerful position in front of people talking to people and kind of in your own little way not little in your own way rebelling against someone telling you what to believe in kind of this weird way of doing this very quote unquote offensive comedy and being like no we're gonna do this we're gonna laugh and we're gonna like cathartize ourselves if that's a word and uh, and not let anyone tell us what we can and can't laugh at exactly exactly I just put you in a fucking nutshell bro no one puts me in a nutshell <laughs> that doesn't make any sense you took like you took like two different sayings <laughs> Because you didn't understand either one. <laughs> this is great, man. Thank you this so much fun. for doing it. Will you say uh, keep it crispy? Everybody, the guest says keep it crispy at the end. No. All right. That's our first no. That's our first no. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com.